Just gonna run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. Now, here we go. It's another big week in the NFL for the Pittsburgh Steelers. This is the Steelers Wire podcast, powered by USA Today Sports. Now, your host, Ryan O'Leary, and Steelers Wire editor, Kurt Popejoy. All right, Kurt, so a lot of people are calling this a stunning loss to the Washington football team, and I... I do agree with the wording there. It's not that I'm surprised that the Steelers lost to Washington because I thought that was on the table. I, I, I just didn't. I didn't think this was a shoe in by any means. But I am surprised that the Steelers would go up 14 nothing at home and then lose to the Washington Football Team. I think that's the most alarming part. That's why it is stunning to me. That's why it is a little extra for me. That's why I have a little extra. Uh, you know, I'm a little more aggressive than I probably would be. I, I can see the Steelers losing a ball game. I, as much as I talked about 16 and 0. I thought they would lose one. I thought it probably would have been the Bills and maybe one more down the stretch, but I didn't think it would be Washington. But look, I'm not stunned they lost the ball game. I am shocked, though, that they lost it in that fashion. Kerr, what do you think about it? Yeah, I mean, the collapse. Uh, they, yes. You know, they, they started off a little slow, which is to be expected. They they seem to always have, you know, the first three or four drives, they kind of struggle. Um, it was the first time I think all season they'd gone three and out on their first two drives. But still, you expect them to, to come out a little slow like they always do. Then you sort of look for the defense to get into a little rhythm and the offense to get a little rhythm. They did. Got a couple touchdowns. Defense looked like it. Had things figured out. Antonio Gibson gets hurt. You figure the run game for Washington takes a big hit. And they, they kind of cruise there for a little bit. You know, the, they went into the half, I think, 14-3. But you really didn't look at it as, as the Steelers didn't have the game in control. And then to come out of halftime and just fall apart. I mean, it was, it, it just looked like a team that didn't know what it wanted to do. The, you know, there were several moments in the second half that just sort of encapsulated um, these last four or five games for them. You know, the, the fourth down play and the goal line stand and, and, you know, several of these plays and the, the miscommunications on defense that we hadn't seen. The the little running back for Washington, J.D. Kissick or whatever, just wide open over and over again. I mean, those are plays that you just you, are a little uncharacteristic for the Steelers defense over the last season or two. And they just didn't have any answers. They were just a defeated team. There was no energy. Um, even T.J. Watt wasn't playing with the level of energy that you kind of expect. And then, you know, I think when Joe Hayden got hurt, that was tough. You know, they, they, they're already playing without starting running back. You're starting center and and things just. Yeah, it, it was it was terrible to see how they just they just sort of folded up. Coaches didn't didn't make any adjustments, didn't try to make any plays, didn't try to shake things up at all. You know, there are things that Pittsburgh has done in the past when they struggled. They go rhythm. They go no huddle. They go hurry up. They didn't do any of those things on Monday. They kept sticking to that 12 personnel and then they would. 
they would go five wide with it, empty set with it. So you've got, instead of having your four best receivers or five best receivers out there, you had um, a running back split out as, as a wide receiver. And I don't know, it's just, it was ugly football. It was really, really ugly second half. And you can just see it. The, the energy level for Washington was so high in the second half. Their offense was, was humming and they were, they were playing with energy and the defense was making plays and Pittsburgh just, just couldn't match it. You know, and that's, that's something that Mike Tomlin used to take a lot of heat for was, was his teams just coming out flat like that. And he had sort of turned some of them around, but boy, this loss was far worse, I think, than than the. Well, let me let me say this: the mentality of Coach Tomlin after this game was far more optimistic than it was after the win against Baltimore, and that's that's worrisome to me. That he was more upset by the effort in a win than he was against a good team than he was this effort in a loss to a bad team, and that kind of makes me a little more concerned with four games left to play this season. You know, where's it going to come from? Where's the energy going to come from? Where's the Where's the creativity or where's the originality going to come from? And I'm wondering, like, what can they do, Kurt, right? Like on defense, when you're losing the players that they're losing and more guys are dropping, right? Like you're trying to piece it together yeah. on defense. What what can you really do? And on offense, they're so limited. They're so one-dimensional. And they just can't yeah. run the football. And uh, and you've written about it plenty. And I, I know I have the stat here. It's like an unbelievable stat. So they, they ran it 14 times for 21 yards. I mean, Washington's yeah. a good defense, but are you kidding me? 14 carries for 21 yards? Yeah. And it comes to the – gets to the point like you're it's almost counterproductive to even try to run the football when you're that bad at it so i saw well, somebody floated the idea of should the steelers just throw it every down and stop trying to run it and wasting those plays and i'm like maybe that's what they got to do they're so bad at running the football but you can't just strap it on and be tough and like pick up some yards on the ground like you can't figure that thing out like that that's just that's tough could, right? that's tough to swallow yeah. first four games of the season they had a hundred yard rusher yeah and that's the that's the real the real negative to all this and the real puzzling part to me, you know, their own passing game is a detriment to their run game because when you only throw the ball around the line of scrimmage, you offer no incentive for the defense to back out of the box. And so they're basically, you know, even, even if you look at the last, the last um, interception that, that Roethlisberger threw, he's basically throwing routes so short that he throws down into the line of scrimmage to get the ball to his receivers. And so if you're if you're throwing that short over and over and over again, th- there is nowhere to run. You know, unless you can you can force the defense to adjust to the passing game. I think I counted last night 8 or 10 plays in a row where Washington had nine guys in the box. And every at no point in that nine play stretch did Roethlisberger test the 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 Washington defense deep. Not one time. I, you know, I wrote about it today that, that you know Roethlisberger kind of fell on his sword last night for the for the offense and said it was on him. And so I talked a little bit about you know what can he can control and what can't he control. He can't control the receivers dropping the football. He can't control the tight end dropping the football. He can't control the the lack of, you know not having his starting running back, not having his starting center. He can't control the fact that his offensive line seems only to be able to pass protect at this point. But what he can control is when he walks up to the line of scrimmage and he looks at the defense, he can make checks and he can call audibles. He wasn't even doing that. And that, to me, I, I don't understand how he didn't see those packed eight- and nine-man boxes and didn't send guys deep and try to take more shots. I just – I don't know. It was, it was really puzzling to me. 
And so when you don't do those things, then there's nowhere to run. Now, granted, Benny Snell and Anthony McFarland are, are marginal NFL running backs. I mean, they're not going to – they're not, you know, elite players by any means. But they were they were playing a, against a loaded deck when the Washington defense could just tee off on them, knowing that even if they didn't hand the ball off, the, the ball was going to be around the line of scrimmage, so they didn't have to go very far to get to it. And that's the biggest thing. You know, you heard after the game – Chase Young and Montez Sweat both saying that they they were calling out the offensive tendencies before the snap. They could they knew what Pittsburgh was going to do based on the Baltimore game. And so Tomlin and those guys have to get back together this week and figure out how they cannot be so predictable. And I'm just not sure with the injury situation. You know, we don't know where James Conner is in the COVID process. We don't know where Marquise Pouncey is in the process. I'm just not sure where the where the run game is going to come from, even if, if Randy Feekner suddenly, you know, develops an imagination and, and can come up with some things. Now, they brought Matt Kennedy in to coach the quarterback, and he was supposed to bring these college concepts. And we saw it earlier in the season. We saw Chase Claypool on jet sweeps. We saw Ray Ray McLeod on jet sweeps. Um, we saw a lot of a lot of uh, motion, a lot of sweep action, and then run off of that, run inside off of that. They don't do any of that anymore. It's like it's like those pages in the playbook got lost, and and we just don't know they exist anymore. And so they they kind of given up on the on the concepts that worked early in the season. And I I don't understand it. You know, Tomlin defended it last night in the post game press conference that there's nothing wrong with the run game. Um, we were we just weren't moving the ball well enough, and we huh. choose how we're going to move the football. That we you, you're not choosing to no. stand at the goal line and and run into the backs of your defenders, your or your offensive line three plays in a row. You're not choosing to do that. You know that's at some point he's going to have to own the fact that that they've become one dimensional, and somebody needs to sit down with Roethlisberger and say, hey, if we're going to throw the ball 55 times a game, you got to throw it somewhere than one yard behind the line of scrimmage in the middle of the field. I mean, they just can't. You know, Juju Smith-Schuster, it takes a beating on those three-yard receptions. And he's not hes not a running back. They're trying to simulate a run game with that. And that's, right. he's, you're not going to win like that. Nope, I agree. So there's so much to unpack here. I think, you, Kurt, you hit on a, a couple points that I wanted to get to. Let's do that on the other side. Along with, I want to play some sound from a national talking head who really is having some fun with this Steelers loss. I want to get Kurt's reaction to that as well. This freaking guy. We'll be right back. Fantasy football is about proving that you are better than your friends. Sit him, start him. These are the fantasy picks of the week. It will kill me if this game ends in a tie. I need this win. This game's pretty much done. With Corey Bonini from thehuddle.com. And Corey Benini at TheHuddle.com welcoming you to week 14 of the fantasy football season. If you're still listening, that means you're likely in the playoffs. Let's talk strong plays to help get you into week 15 action. This one isn't for the faint of heart. Jaguars quarterback Mike Glennon faces the Tennessee Titans. Only four teams have been easier to exploit, and six different quarterbacks have gone for at least 23 fantasy points versus Tennessee, including nearly 31 points from Gardner Minshew back in week two. But if you've squeaked into the playoffs and are truly desperate, Glennon is a Hail Mary option. New York Jets running back Ty Johnson at the Seattle Seahawks. This is one you'll have to watch from an injury perspective because Frank Gore left last week with a concussion. It's hard to see the Jets turning away from Johnson after the spark he gave this offense last week. While Seattle's defense has been easily exploited through the air this season, the ground game is catching up. Last week we saw New York Giants running backs Wayne Goldman and Alfred Morris demonstrate this with some smash mouth football of their own. Las Vegas Raiders wide receiver Hunter Renfro versus the Indianapolis Colts. On paper, the matchup isn't a 
appealing. But we saw last week Houston's Kiki Kuti went for 141 yards on eight receptions. And the Colts have been pleased to give up underneath work to wide receivers if it means they don't let guys like Nelson Aguilar or Henry Ruggs uncork a long one over the top. As we've seen throughout 2020, Renfro isn't involved very much unless the team is playing from behind. In that case, volume is what gives them a chance to matter against Indianapolis. Another recommendation that's worth trying but requires gamers to pay attention to the injury report, Anthony Ferkser of the Tennessee Titans. Starting tight end John Smith has a knee injury and missed week 13. It's unclear if he'll play at this time in week 14, and if not, Ferkser belongs in lineups. He landed 5 of 7 looks last week for 51 yards, and that line would have been better if backup tight end McCall Pruitt didn't steal a touchdown from him. Everybody loves that on the verge of the fantasy football playoffs. Jacksonville has given up 9 touchdowns in 12 games to the position, and more impressively, that has come at a clip of 1 every 5 catches. For that alone, Ferkser is a gamble in all leagues if you're looking for a tight end. For more award-winning fantasy football news, tips, and advice, please be sure to check out thehuddle.com. Just going to run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. Oh, hi. Good evening. I'm having a cigar, a cocktail, just one tonight. Counting my money, uh, Fox bet as I bet Washington plus eight and a half. You know, Pittsburgh Steelers fans have whined all year. You don't respect us. Well, I have eyes. I don't worry about records. I have data. I have eyes. Tonight, Cleveland's better than you. Kansas City's better. The Saints are better. Green Bay's better. The Rams are better. New England's better. Giants may be better. You know who's also better? Buffalo. I'd spend time with you, Steamer Nation, but I want to watch a better football team, Buffalo. Who's going to beat you next week? It's time you apologize to me. It's, you hurt my feelings. I don't like my feelings hurt, Steamer Nation. Holy crap. Colin, Colin Cowherd, he, he's got beef with Steelers Nation. Man, he hates the Steelers. He hates their fans. Wow, Colin Cowherd's really upset. I wanted to get your take on Colin Cowherd, Kurt, because what the hell is he talking about? The Patriots are better than the Steelers? Get out of here. Not even close. Oh, my God. The that's Giants. not even close. I'm a diehard yeah. Patriots fan. Not even freaking close. The Giants, no. The Rams, no. Get out of here with this stuff. So he, he's definitely laid it on thick, but... You know, part of me kind of loves it because he's just he's doing his thing. He's promoting his show. He's needling Steelers fans and he's showing a little bit of balls because Steelers fans are diehard. And I I know they can't love Colin Cowherd doing this, smoking a cigar, sitting on his chair, talking crap on Twitter. And that was like a little video that we just played. So, Kurt, what do you think about the whole Colin Cowherd beef? Now, this is actually this clip I played was actually his response after on his show, he called out the Steelers and said, you're not that good and you're not going to go undefeated. And he did that whole thing. So what's your reaction to the whole Colin, Colin Cowherd thing? I mean, that's, that's his shtick. I mean, that's, he, he is the guy that roots for the winners. I mean, Colin has always been a guy that if you dig back, you know, at one point in the season, he predicted Pittsburgh would go seven and nine and finish third in the AFC North. So that, why does that he was hate his the Steelers, prediction. Right? So he hates the Steelers. Why? Yeah, he's he's got trouble with Tomlin. 
He's got trouble with his coaching style. If you if you go back, he always criticized how Tomlin handled the Le'Veon Bell situation, the Antonio Brown situation. He's one of many national media types who question Tomlin's ability to you know, coach up X's and O's that he, you know, sort of sort of babied Bell and Brown and kind of gave them preferential treatment. And that was to the detriment of the team. I mean, he's not wrong about these things necessarily, but that was always kind of his ongoing criticisms of the Steelers. And I think, you know, in the same breath at one point in the season, I think he he applauded the Steelers and their blue collar attitude and their, you know, their work ethic and all these sorts of things and how they put the drama behind him. And then as soon as they start struggling to win football games, his his tune kind of changes, you know, and if Pittsburgh wins the next four, he'll probably be back on track with them and, oh, yeah. and, and talking him up again. But, you know, guys like him. I mean, they're smart. He's a smart guy. He's a football guy. Uh, Steelers fans are smart fans for the most part. They know where the problems are with this team. I think a lot of Steelers fans thought we know that Pittsburgh is a flawed football team, but we've seen them go 11 games straight and find a way to win. They're going to find a 12th way to win, and then they're going to find a 13th way to win. And I think that that's kind of the mentality. I mean, I think a lot of if you kind of, you know, a lot of my my followers on Twitter last night didn't seem overly upset with the idea that Pittsburgh had lost. I think it's kind of kind of Bush League to go, boy, sure glad we got that one out of the way. Rather lose in December than January. Well, that doesn't mean you still can't lose in January because you lost in December. That's a kind of a ridiculous cliche, but. You know, I think they're kind of at peace with the fact that they've been playing pretty bad football the last couple of weeks, and they finally had just caught up to them. And so, you know, but for, for a guy like Cowherd, I mean, he knows that Steeler Nation is everywhere. He knows they're watching his show. He knows they're listening to his podcasts or whatever. They're finding his his videos on Twitter. You know, it's only natural to, to rile up a fan base that large because any attention is good attention at this point if you're if you're you know if you're a national media guy. So you know if you're you know talking up the Chiefs or talking down the Steelers, you're gonna get a lot of eyes on you because those two fan bases are huge. And so they're gonna be linked to each other in this all the time. But you know I write about Colin every once in a while when he says something a little kind of crazy about Pittsburgh. And there's no article I post that gets more comments than any sort a reaction to, to him. I mean, Steelers fans dislike him every bit as much as he dislikes the Steelers. I can <laughs> promise you that. I, I just like, I knew I was going to play a Colin Cowherd clip. I just didn't know it would be that one until today. But unfortunately, that's the one. Unfortunately, Colin had a little, he had a little victory lap today, which is a little, that's yeah. a little tough. Yeah. Right? For yeah, oh, always. But I just hope Steelers fans are kind of I could tell you're kind of like this like I hope they can understand that it's uh it's just a game it's just a joke right like hopefully don't you know don't you know don't hurt yourself don't don't break the arm of your chair off or something don't get so upset at Colin Cowherd that you can't go on with your life right he's just he's just playing around he's playing the game he's trying to needle you I, I kind of like it. I kind of enjoy it from afar, that whole back and forth. So I hope Steelers fans can get back at him at some point. And if they make a deep playoff run, they definitely can do that. The Patriots are better than the Steelers. Get out of here, Colin. What are you talking? You know that's <laughs> silly. You know that silly talk, the Patriots. Get out of here with that. I just had to play that. But all right, I want to get back on track here. Let's talk about this Steelers-Bills matchup. This thing is juicy. It's going to be a good one. And... Man, it, the Bills might be showing up at a tough time. The Bills are kind of rolling, and the Steelers are kind of trying to find their way all of a sudden. The Steelers aren't playing their best football. So let's dive into that game coming up next. It's that time again for the line of the week. 
The inside track to the favorites, the underdogs, and the over-unders. I think I want my money back. Now, here are Jeff Clark and Eston McLaren from USA Today's Sportsbook Wire. Hello, I'm Eston McLaren of SportsbookWire.com and Bet Slippin' Podcast. I'm joined by Jeff Clark to break down all you need to know to bet on the Week 14 Sunday Night Football game between the Pittsburgh Steelers and Buffalo Bills. The Bills return home as two-and-a-half-point favorites against the Steelers, who come off their first loss of the season, losing 23-17 to the Washington football team Monday night. Jeff, do the Steelers get back on track, or are the Bills now contenders to win the AFC? Nope. I like the Bills here to win by more than a field goal. Head coach Sean McDermott is a defensive guru, and the Steelers have become a one-dimensional offense over the past couple weeks. Also, they looked kind of weak against Alex Smith in that Washington passing attack, which is not nearly as explosive as Josh Allen and the Buffalo Bills. Again, I like the Bills minus two and a half here. I'm going to get back on the Steelers. This is a get-right game for them. James Conner expected back from the COVID list. That's huge. That makes them two-dimensional once again. Gives them that rushing attack they've sorely missed. And there's just way too many weapons in that passing game. Give me the Steelers plus 2.5. They may even win this one outright. Back the Steelers to win on the road in Buffalo. Just going to run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. All right, Kurt, another national TV spot, another night game. You've covered a lot of these lately, haven't you, with the Steelers? Yeah, so, uh, it's either a noon kick or a night game. There, there you go, another night game, Sunday night, Bill Steelers. You know, two teams separated by what, like two miles, it seems like? They're so close. I, I think the Steelers hop on a bus, right, and go over to Orchard Park or whatever, wherever the hell they Probably are. Probably so, yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's so close. And this is one where I think just the fan of me is going to be well, – I'm going to see that empty stadium in Buffalo and I'm, or, or in that stadium, and I'm going to be disappointed. This is just a game that deserves to have a crazy atmosphere Sunday night, late season, two of the top teams in the AFC, two in the top three. Like, this is a big game. This is a big one. This is great. Um, and unfortunately, we're going to have to deal with that COVID atmosphere, which is kind of a bummer. But we're used to it by now. We're used to it. But what do you think about this matchup? Like the Steelers are coming in a little banged up on defense. Can't figure out how to run the football. Very one dimensional. Definitely have not played good football the last two weeks. Ugly games against the Ravens. And that carried over to the game against Washington as well. Horrible finish to the, to the Washington game. God, that was terrible. You can't go into Buffalo and like play like they, they did against Washington and Baltimore. You're going to get blown out by this team. Josh Allen's oh, yeah. rolling. The Bills are really good. What's your leadoff take on this one? I, I, I'm really genuinely concerned. I, I don't know that the Steelers have enough defense to deal with Josh Allen at this point. If Steven Nelson isn't healthy by, by next week, um, if Joe Hayden stays in the concussion protocol, that puts so much pressure on the Steelers front seven. I mean, that's tough when you're both your starting corners are out and you you got to look to guys like Cameron Sutton and Justin Lane. I mean, they're nice football players. Don't get me wrong, but neither of them are starting quarterbacks. And so you add in the fact that most likely Robert Spillane's not going to be back. Uh, they're going to be down to their third middle linebacker on the season. And I, I just don't know. I mean, it's going to kind of come down to the quarterbacks at this point. And Josh Allen's playing a lot better football than Ben Roethlisberger is right now. 
And so, I mean, he had an amazing game yesterday or this last weekend. I mean, it's just, you know, when he's on, he's a he's an athletic young Ben Roethlisberger. He's a superstar. I mean, he's, yeah, he really is. And I think there's a lot of a lot of draft guys that had to eat some crow about him because he took a lot of heat coming out of college that he wasn't going to be able to, his sure. game wouldn't translate to the NFL, but he, he's been impressive. I mean, he really has. He's got command of that offense and he plays with confidence. And I really think ultimately that's kind of what it's going to come down to. I think the, the bills are a very confident football team. I don't think they have a great defense, but they have a confident defense. They have a defense that's defense. that's very confident in the fact that they're, their offense is going to put up points and not going to put them in bad positions. And I don't think Pittsburgh's playing with confidence on either side of football, and that really bothers me. I think that, that when that defense goes off the field, I think they have to worry, is Pittsburgh is the offense going to go three and out, and we're going to have to march right back out there again? And when the defense is on the field, the offense has to be wondering, are they going to give up another touchdown that we have to try to come back on? And I think that there's a, a, a lack of confidence on the on the both sides of the ball right now for Pittsburgh. And so, you know, you figure in the add in the fact that the game's on the road. Sounds like the weather's not going to be very agreeable. Um, the chance of snow that weekend. That everything lines up here for for Pittsburgh to drop another game. And I. I I haven't dug too deep into the matchups and things like that yet today, but um, I'm sure that if you go across the board unit by unit, um, there are more positions that are going to favor Buffalo at this point than Pittsburgh. I think that and, until we know where the health of the Steelers are, down five starters right now, if they can't get at least a couple of those guys back, if they can get Pouncey and Connor back this week, that would be huge, Definitely. huge confidence boost for yep. the offense. Yep. If you could get Steven Nelson back, because I doubt Joe Hayden plays. I mean, he took a pretty good hit last night. He's the concussion protocol. I, I'd be shocked if he's ready to play. But, you know, Nelson was, was doubtful. I, I don't know. If they, can't, if they can't get a couple of those guys back, I'm just not sure there's enough depth. I'm just not sure there's enough talent. Um, Pittsburgh has built this roster to be very top-heavy. They are front-loaded at the starting positions, and their depth just isn't really good at a lot of spots. And you do that with the intention of kind of making a push and having this elite starting lineup that's full of former first and second round picks. But, you know, you get four or five of them get hurt and the, the guys coming in behind them just aren't very good. And that's what that's what we saw last night. I think we we all respect the guys like J.C. Hassenauer and Justin Lane and Avery Williamson and Benny Snell. But those the drop off in talent there across the board is just so significant that. It's, it's going to be tough for Pittsburgh. Oh, no doubt. No doubt. And the one thing the Bills can't do, Kurt, the one thing they struggle with is stopping the run. And it's the one thing the Steelers can't freaking do. So it's like, yeah. can you even take advantage of their one weakness? I don't know. And that was Washington. You know, that's why I said Washington get, Washington was middle of the road stopping the run going into yesterday's game. But they were very good at defending the pass. And I said that was the, the worst thing that could happen for Pittsburgh because they can't run the ball and all they want to do is throw it. So, yeah, it's just going to be another week of that. Yeah, try to try to figure out a way to run the ball. I'll tell you one one thing about Colin Cowherd, man. It's hard to talk to yourself. You got to give him that. It's hard to sit there and talk <laughs> to yourself on your show. So we'll hope that the Steelers don't give him any more ammunition. If the exactly. if the Steelers go back out there, Kurt, and beat the Bills on the road after a tough loss with Washington, when it's not really nothing seems to be going their way, Colin will have to eat some crow. So that'll be fun. But yeah, I I'll, t- I'll take that. Yeah, one hundred percent. But man, I think it's it's so tough. The the Steelers had the number one seed in that first round by in their sight. And now it just feels so tough 
because the Chiefs now have that inside track, and we've talked about it. It's Even with the Chiefs playing New Orleans on the road, which is a tough spot, they could drop that one and still be in line for that number one seed now because yeah. of you know because the Steelers would have to win out otherwise. So tough spot for the Steelers. We'll see what happens. Kurt, take care of yourself. Good luck unpacking that loss to Washington. Uh, be looking forward to your coverage on the Bills. Enjoy the football, and I'll talk to you next week, all right? All right. Thanks so much. This USA Today Sports Podcast has been presented by USA Today's Sports Media Group and is available in your favorite podcast store. Make sure to subscribe for weekly updates, the latest fantasy picks from Corey Bonini, and the Huddle Podcast, Inside the Weekly Line, with Sportsbook Wire's Jeff Clark and Eston McLaren, and the Bet Slippin' Podcast. We'll see you again next week. Just going to run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts.